This morning, as we continue through the Gospel of Luke, we find another familiar story. As we read this familiar story, I want you to consider the assumptions that we bring with us as we read the Bible, particularly when we come to a passage that we have heard countless times before. Reading from Luke chapter 10. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. So as I get started today, I I have to admit that Luke is probably my favorite of the Gospels. Um, Now, there are occasions when I prefer the more mystical take that John has on things, But overall, Luke is usually where I turn. Luke brings us a focus on the teaching and ministry of Jesus that I really value. And in Luke, we see this focus on servanthood and fellowship and hospitality that I really value, and a call for us to emulate that ministry in our own day. This is apparent when we look at Jesus' teachings his many meal encounters, his instructions to the 70 disciples that he sends out ahead of him when he's preparing to go to Jerusalem. These 70 were told that the towns and homes that welcome them will be blessed, while those that do not offer hospitality will have it worse than Sodom. And this is a really interesting juxtaposition to an incident that happened at the end of chapter 9, where Jesus and his disciples had encountered a Samaritan village that would not welcome them into town. And when John and James said, let's rain down fire on this town for not welcoming us in, Jesus rebukes them and tells them we'll just move on to someplace else. And yet, when we think about these stories, it's really this story from chapter 10 where Jesus tells his followers that it will be worse on those towns that don't welcome them than it was for Sodom. It's that story that we hear about. That's often raised up as those who don't accept Jesus are going to be destroyed. And and yet, just a few verses before, we're told how Jesus rebukes his followers for wanting to destroy this town that doesn't welcome them. I think this is a good example of the the ways in which we bring our assumptions into the story. We find what it is that we're looking for. And before we turn to Martha and Mary, we have to finish with a look at where it is that we currently are in the story. What's going on? As I mentioned, Luke has, has, uh, in chapter 9, started Jesus on his journey towards Jerusalem. Jesus knows what's waiting for him there. He knows what the results of this journey are going to be for him, and yet he continues to use this journey as an opportunity to teach his disciples, 
to continue to show them the ways that they are meant to be in the kingdom of God. And so as his journey begins, we have the story of the Samaritan village and the sons of Zebedee wanting to destroy it for not welcoming Jesus. Then there was the commissioning of the 70 disciples who were supposed to go on ahead of Jesus to prepare his way as he was going to Jerusalem. And we again find this focus on hospitality. Then the commissioning of the 70 is followed by the story that we discussed last week, the so-called story of the Good Samaritan. And in this story, we see how the one who demonstrated mercy to his neighbor was the one who was highlighted. Jesus pushed against those norms and those expectations by centering an outsider and an enemy of the realm of the, the Hebrews as a hero and making it clear that there is no limit on who our neighbor is. So today's story picks up right after this one, and the focus on hospitality is immediately clear. We're told that Jesus and his disciples have entered the house of Martha. That's right, this is Martha's house. It's not her brother's house, it's not her father's house, it's not some other male relative's house. This is Martha's house. This is yet another thing we see throughout Luke's writing that I really value, his raising up women as equal to the men in the story. Martha's sister Mary is also named, but it's, not immediate, it, it's, it's immediately made clear that Martha is the one who's kind of running around doing all the things. She's running around trying to get the meal together, She's running around trying to get the table set. All those things that we normally equate with welcoming people into the home. And, I might add, work that is stereotypically women's work. We're told that she's so preoccupied that she's become distracted. She's trying to get everything together for a meal for these people that have entered her home. Perfectly normal societal expectation at that time and, and even a, still for many of us today, when someone comes into your home, you offer them something to eat. You offer them refreshment. Now, it's interesting to note here that the words used to describe getting edi- everything ready for the meal and um, to prepare the table are, in fact, the same sorts of words that are used throughout the New Testament to identify the ministry of the apostles, the ministry of Paul, the ministry of the seven who are commissioned in Acts 6 to care for the Greek-speaking widows and orphans. The Greek root here is diakon, which is variously translated throughout the New Testament as ministry, as service, as waiting on tables. Also happens to be where we get the word deacon as a title for service still used in many churches today. So Martha is doing ministry. She's trying to minister to those who have come into her home, welcoming Jesus and her followers into her house. We're told that by contrast, her her sister Mary has chosen to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his teachings. Rather than helping Martha with all the tasks that she is doing, Mary is hanging out with Jesus and his disciples. Now, This is that point in the story where the assumptions that we bring into the text begin to become a little more apparent. 
See, Martha comes to Jesus to complain about Mary's lack of help. And Jesus responds to Martha, you know, you're really distracted with all these things that you're trying to get done. Mary, Mary's chosen the better thing. But we'll come back to that in a minute. There's lots of different interpretations here of what's going on in the story. Lots of ways that we could look at this. On the one hand, I, I've heard this story given as an example of the ways in which Jesus is seeking to empower women. Martha is doing all of the stereotypical women's work. She's apparently busy preparing a meal and trying to get the table set. All those things that would be expected of someone showing hospitality, but also stereotypically something that the women would be expected to care for. But Mary has taken on a role that's stereotypically more male. She's hanging out with the disciples, sitting at the, at the, at the teacher's feet, listening to what he has to say. She's breaking out of the typical women's work, and Jesus praises her for it. So that's one way we could read this story. It's actually also legitimately possible to read this completely the opposite way. You see, Martha dares to approach Jesus, a male that's not related to her as far as we know, and speak to him. We can take Jesus' response to her as, how dare you speak directly to me? Can't you see your sister sitting here quietly, not talking, just sitting here listening? In this case, the text becomes a tool to try and keep women quiet and in their place. Yet a third option that I've heard on this take, on this story, a little bit different from the last one, is to interpret Jesus' words to indicate the importance of sitting and listening to God. Works are nice and all. All those other things that need doing are really good and important. But all that's really important is to attend to the work of God, the Word of God. Don't worry about that ministry work that needs doing. All you have to do is sit and listen. I think it becomes really apparent that each of these can easily be taken from the English readings of the text that we have. Each of our translations is a little bit different and offers us a slight variation, but they all follow pretty much the same pattern. Jesus and his followers enter Martha's house. Martha runs around trying to get all the work done while her sister sits and listens to Jesus. Martha complains to Jesus, and Jesus tells her that Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. But how exactly we interpret what that's supposed to mean for us depends a lot on the assumptions that we bring to the reading as much as it does to the actual words that are there for us. Do we bring an assumption with us that Jesus seeks to break down the barriers that hold people into particular roles, into particular places, into particular positions in society? Do we bring an assumption with us about the inferior status of women and their need to be put in a particular place? Do we bring an assumption that the Word of God supersedes everything else, including doing the ministry that God has called us to? Of course, those aren't the only interpretations available for us. There is another way that we can interpret 
Mary's choice to sit at Jesus' feet. Mary's choice points us back to hospitality as well. You see, another key to inviting someone into your home and offering hospitality is sitting and listening with them, hearing their stories. You don't invite someone into your home, have them sit on your couch, and then say, all right, I'm going to go in the back. You just sit here and hang out. You sit, you spend time with those that you invite into your home. If we look at it this way, both Martha and Mary are offering hospitality to Jesus and his followers at this time. Now, the reference to the diakon words in Martha's complaint had me turning again to the Greek to see what else might be hiding in plain sight here in the text. And so the text began to take on a slightly different meaning for me. At the start of verse 42, the second half of Jesus' response to Martha, there is a phrase that is usually translated in one of two ways, depending on the source being used. It reads something along the lines of, only one thing is necessary, or few things are necessary, indeed only one. But the word being translated as one thing can also mean oneness or unity. So another way of understanding this text is that Jesus is saying that the only thing necessary is unity, is oneness. He starts off his response by pointing out that Martha has become distracted by all her tasks. The tasks themselves have become the goal rather than genuinely welcoming her guests into her home. Her desire to try and get all the things done has distracted her from the purpose, has distracted her with the, uh, from the other parts of being hospitable. She's lost sight of the guests in her midst, in the midst of all her busyness. Both women are taking part in what is normally expected to be hospitable, both providing refreshment and sitting and spending time with your guests as part of the hospitality that we offer to others. Hospitality is not just providing refreshment, and it's not just sitting and listening, it's about that relationship that gets formed as you interact with each other. So this is the source of Jesus' rebuke to Martha. It's not so much that sitting and listening to Jesus is better than running around and doing the other things that need doing, even though that's often how we see this translation. But the Greek word that's used here just means good portion. Mary is doing a good portion of what is needed to be hospitable to those that have come into their home. She is doing her part, just as Martha was doing her part. Jesus doesn't actually say that Martha's work is unimportant, is bad. He merely points out that in her focus only on that work, she has gotten distracted. Had she not come to complain to him, if she had just gone about the tasks that she was doing, we probably wouldn't even have this story here in our text today. Sorry, my mind just one of those things. But Jesus instead uses this as an opportunity to help us understand 
all the ways in which we work together to get things done. He uses it as a way of talking about the different parts that go into our hospitality of people, of welcoming people into our midst, into our homes, into our lives, the ways in which we start that relationship with others. As I was thinking about this, I got to thinking about... um, I got to thinking about um, the, the Avengers movies. I don't know how many of you have seen them. But in these movies, we see a group of people who come together, and they each have a different role to play, a different task that is important to them to get things done. And I was going to talk about this latest Avengers movie, Endgame, But some of my friends pointed out that, well, maybe there are people who haven't seen it, and I really didn't want to ruin it for anyone. So I looked back to Age of Ultron, and I was thinking about the big battle at the end. Now, it's a little bit of a far-fetched thing. I mean, if you've seen any of these movies, you know that. But there's like a city that's being lifted up into the sky, the whole city. And the whole idea is that when it gets high enough and it falls back to the earth, it's going to cause a huge cataclysm that's going to wipe out a whole bunch of people and kill a lot of things. The higher it gets, the more destruction it causes. So the Avengers are there trying to figure out how do we stop this thing from happening. And the only thing they can come up with, well, we've got to break this thing up before it gets too high. And so some of the Avengers are running through the city trying to get out all the people, the innocent people who are still there. Some of the Avengers are trying to hold off this horde of angry robots that's trying to kill everybody. And Thor, with his hammer, is supposed to hammer this spike in the center of the city that's going to cause the whole city to break up and fall into pieces so that it doesn't cause a huge wave of destruction. And as I was thinking about this, I got to wondering, well, what would happen if Captain America decided, you know what? Thor shouldn't be doing that. He should really be over here helping us get all these people out of the city. That would be a rather strange thing to happen in that case. They each had their roles. They each had their things to do. There's more to hospitality than simply setting a table. There's more to hospitality than being friendly to people. There's more to relationships than just listening to someone talk or doing nice things for them. There's more to to being the church than just reading the Bible or coming to worship or praying. Jesus is telling us that there are many tasks that are needed. Some of us will fulfill one task, some of us might fulfill another, but that doesn't mean that anyone is more or less important. It's all work that needs to be done. Jesus is telling us to do our part and to stop worrying about whether or not that person over there is doing the exact same thing that we are. Because when our eyes start to wander and we start complaining about what that person over there is doing, well, we've raised that thing up over God and allowed it to become a distraction from the work that we are called to do. Jesus 
doesn't rebuke Martha because he thought what she was doing was unimportant and what Mary was doing was more important. He rebuked Martha for being more worried about people trying to do all of the things that she was doing. She thought Mary should give up doing what she was doing and come help her do those other things. It's not to say either was more or less important than the other, but they each had a role to play to be hospitable. Maybe that person over there isn't doing the same thing that we are doing, but that doesn't mean that person isn't doing the work that they were called to do. Jesus tells us that we each have a place. We each have a role that we are called on to play. But that each of those is something different. I have a role and a task. You have a role and a task. Not every one of us is called to preach or to feed others or to pray for others or to act in a certain way. But we also have roles that may not have anything to do with those stereotypical roles that we often think of. When I think about that, that movie, Age of Ultron, there, there's this one scene where Hawkeye is trying to encourage one of the others. And, and he has this line where he says, the city is flying, we're fighting an army of robots, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. And when we approach these stories with our stereotypes, with our assumptions about where people are supposed to be and what they're supposed to do, sometimes it winds up not making sense. But usually that's because the stereotypes and the assumptions we're bringing into it are the parts that don't make sense. When we use the gifts that God has given us Together, we welcome God and we welcome others. We extend love that God has given us out to the others that we encounter. Who are the neighbors that need our hospitality right now? Who are our neighbors that are in need? What, what is the place of hospitality that we are called to stand in? What is that task that we are called to be in this time, in this place? I pray that we will continue to work together to make sure that others know God's love, God's mercy, and God's welcome. Let us continue in our calling to live into that kingdom that Jesus was introducing us to, that kingdom that Jesus continued to teach about, Sometimes we pray, sometimes we listen, sometimes we feed others, sometimes we're out there doing mission work in our towns and in our cities, but we are always out there loving God and loving our neighbors.